everybody, and welcome to a very special episode of the Mountain Bike Podcast presented by Worldwide Cyclery. You can go to worldwidecyclery.com for all your bike part needs. Check those folks out. They're awesome people. But like I said, this is a special episode. Uh, uh, un poquito episode. <laughs> yes, a mini one. A little. Bike reviews from Sedona yeah. Mountain Bike Festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been overdue. We were a bit late on this. Uh, but such is life when things are busy. So, Do you want to tell them why we're so late on this, Jonathan? Yes. It's, what did you do this week? <laughs> I did aerodynamics testing. On... I, just, I, I actually found my coefficient of drag area on a velodrome. Mm. Very nerdy things. Um, ah. But uh, it's for a TT series that we're doing with Trainer Road. Thank you, Trainer Road, for allowing us to this fantastic studio that we have here. Um, but uh, we're creating a whole content series on how to become a faster time trialist with Trainer Road. Um, and good. on that note... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> if, 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 if stopping listening to a podcast made a noise, it would have been definitely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Anywho, uh, but yeah, time trial things, but, yeah. uh, I'm back from LA and, and now we can get this done. So. We can. Uh, so we went to Sedona mountain bike festival and mm-hmm. we're just going to rehash this really quickly on each episode. Uh, we're just going to rehash basically the, the, the process that we had the premise behind mm. our process. Yeah. Process is kind of a tricky word because it will be punny for one of these bikes. One of them. Yeah. Yes. But, uh, I, so Sedona mountain bike festival, by the way, thank you, uh, to Sedona mountain bike festival. They were kind enough to provide us press passes They were uh, because we're press, I guess. Yeah. It's kind of crazy, huh? Um, but they were kind enough to provide that for us and, we set out to demo a bunch of bikes. We did. This isn't like a long-term review, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we got to ride each bike for eight miles. Yes, but a very specific eight-mile loop. Yes. That eight-mile loop had uh, a little bit of everything, and we'll just leave it at that. But it really honestly, did. it really did. It, I was very impressed at how varied it was. So mm-hmm. we were able to test the bike and find a lot of different things. Um I guess that the main things that we're focused on with this, because once again, this is just an eight mile loop, but what we're trying to get across to you is what the bike does well, what it doesn't do well and what terrain it does best. And in what terrain it would not be the best choice. Yeah. Uh, with those things, we might every once in a while mention a component spec, but we're not going to be like this bike had an SLX rear derailleur and I hated that. You know, we're not going to like mark the bike down for that sort of thing. Exactly. That's not what we're there to do. Exactly. Um, is there anything else that we should add before we, about the process that we had? No. I guess we took, we took notes right after every time. Yes, we did. Um, and then after taking notes, then we stored them all together and we've, we've discussed pairings that we feel are best. So, um, to discuss like two different bikes and we didn't necessarily pair everyone for the exact same reasons. Yeah. There are different reasons behind them and we might, you know, be able to kind of go in or discern what that pairing was chosen for. Absolutely. In this case, uh, let's just get straight into it. Uh, and the rest of them will be a little bit shorter on the intro. We'll just talk about the process very briefly and then jump right in. Yes. But in this episode, we're going to be talking about the Cannondale trigger two. Yes. Two. And the Diamondback release Carbon 4C. Mm-hmm. Uh, two very different bikes. Uh, so can you b- just briefly outline, Stephen, I guess, uh, what the Trigger comes spec'd with, the Trigger 2? So the Trigger 2 is a, uh, it's going to have a Fox 34 fork on it and, at 150 millimeters. Right. And the older version, they did a rolling change in production where it was coming with a Float X Evol. Okay. Gemini, which okay. is the travel adjustable. It's 145 mils of travel in what they call the flow mode. Hustle mode is 
115 travel. Yep. So when you want to get into a sprint mode where you don't necessarily want to lock the shock out, there is a lever on the fork that you can, or on the, sorry, not on the fork, it's on the handlebars, the handlebars. and you could flip it into 115 mils of travel and the actual spring curve is more progressive. Um, it's yep. more supportive. And um, so that bike is carbon front frame, aluminum rear triangle, full X01 drivetrain, X01 Eagle yep. uh, with a descendant carbon crank. Yep. Um, it's got SRAM 900 hubs on it with WTBI 29 uh, team wheels. Okay. And I believe the trigger that I rode actually had the Minion DHF 2.5 in the front. I believe so. And a 2.3 DHR2 in the back. Mm -hmm. Yours was 2.3 front and rear. Yes, it was. And mine, I do have to note, Mine also had a 70 mil long stem on it because it was actually one of the demo driver's personal bikes. Yes. And that is not how they come spec. They normally come spec with a 35 mil long stem. Which for almost every bike, uh, well, you actually had a long stem on another bike or maybe two others. But for, in my case, almost every bike I rode had like a 35 or had like a 55 to a 65 stem yeah. usually. on Or on the trigger, it had a 35, but yeah. yeah. So yes. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I should say some of them were even shorter. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to give a quick recap really quick. It's 150 mils of front travel, 145 rear head tube angle of 66 degrees, a uh, chain stay length of 420 millimeters and a bottom bracket height of 345 millimeters. Mm -hmm. After all of that alphabetic or alphabet and numerical soup. Yes. Um, this bike is, is kind of a gnarly trail bike. I it guess. is. Yeah. You're it, getting into enduro terrain. It is, it is a miniature Jekyll. It's yep. really what it is, you know, yeah. coming, being intimately involved with the Jekyll on a daily basis. It's very much the little brother to that bike. And it's not much littler. No. Yeah. yeah. It really isn't. That's no. the, I expected it to be smaller. Um, but that said in certain ways, it very much behaved smaller in good ways. Yes, like, absolutely. Uh, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, the other bike. Uh, so that's the one you wrote, or I should say we, we both, both rode, rode that, that one, one. Yeah. but we're going to compare this bike to a bike that I rode, um, mm -hmm. and you did not ride yeah. and we usually switched off. Um, so, or I should say we usually picked different bikes. Then we just talked nonstop when we were reviewing with yes. each other, absolutely. um, in between breaths at times, mm -hmm. uh, but to be able to kind of inform each other on the experience as much as possible. And so we could help each other elaborate on thoughts and, you know, feelings uh, on the bike. You really have to work at that. You it's, really do. It's, it's tricky. So, yeah. um, the Diamondback release 4C Carbon, uh, it's a 29 inch wheel bike. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's carbon front and I believe carbon rear on that one. Yes, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, 150 mils of front travel, 130 mils of rear travel. It's got a 66 degree head tube angle. Hmm. Yeah. Much like the trigger and 425 millimeter chain stay length. And so, uh, but that's right around normal-ish, you know, mm -hmm. it's, uh, the 420 is really short on the, on the trigger. Um, the bottom bracket height is a little tricky because they don't just give it out there. It's the, they talk about bottom bracket drop, which I get is, is a more accurate number because depending on the tires you're using the everything else, then that can change where your bottom bracket height is actually is, Yeah. but it's not out of the norm in any situation. It's a pretty normal bottom bracket height. Yeah. Um, this bike is also a trail bike, but I would say that it's, um, and it's, it's, I guess, leaning more toward the gnarly end of the trail bike, obviously with a 150 mil fork up front. Mm -hmm. Um, but let's get into things and let's first talk about the trigger. Okay. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to talk about in what terrain it's a it's a good match and what terrain we feel like it, it may not be the best match. Like you could find another bike that might be better for specific types of terrain. Yeah. Then we'll talk about what it does well and what it doesn't do well. We'll probably blend all of that kind of together mm -hmm. in the discussion, but, uh, just the same. I wasn't, I was surprised at the trigger, how, and in only a good way, 
the rear end felt like it, almost like an XC bike in the sense that it felt so dang efficient. Maybe it was those really short chain stays on the bike. That's part of it. But it just felt like, um, also the suspension felt very like planted, Mm -hmm. very, um, stable. I was very impressed with like when you were, uh, if you were out of the saddle and pedaling, it didn't feel like it soaked up a ton of energy mm-hmm. more than, you know, like an XC bike. Sure. Yeah. Um, but not a whole lot more. And that was in wide open. That, that was not in the 115 mode. Exactly. Yeah. That wasn't in the hustle mode. That yeah. was in flow. Yeah. Um, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Um, it really felt, I guess, uh, alive back yeah. there and but not in a bad way. No. It's and very, very, very planted all the way around. Yeah. You could go down really chunky stuff with it at the same time. And it didn't feel like it was getting outpaced well, in not, the I, rear end. I went, yeah. I went off that six or seven foot ledge with it. <laughs> <You did. laughs> so, almost yeah. died. Yeah. Almost died. <laughs> yeah. A lesser man certainly would have died in that situation. Yeah. So I'm glad it was you that took that. Um, you know, the one thing there, there's a few things about the trigger that are going to make that rear end seem so much more planted, stable and, and XC stiff. Yeah. It's the AI offset to the rear hub yep. combined with boost yep. and having those 420 mil chain stays. Yeah, super short. And, and the shock has, um, uh, so it, the, the way the shock feels valve to me, like the, the a characteristic of the shock is that it doesn't want to, it doesn't sit low. It doesn't, you don't have to like blow through a lot of like soft kind of waterbed jello feeling mm-hmm. and then find the stability. The stability yeah. is pretty up high. Yes. And that's another thing that I felt like gave it a very, um, kind of a live sprightly fit kind of taut almost yeah. feel in the back. And that's even in wide open top and bottom, yep. meaning top and bottom. I'm talking the hustle and flow and your open medium firm Yeah, that had a lot of support in it. Let's cover that really quick. A lot of levers on this bike. Yes. Like there. it's got a lot going on. Yeah. Um, but in most cases you can just worry about flipping the hustle and flow thing on the bars I found. Yeah. Um, unless you're on like a paved road, then sure. Lock the, lock it out with the lever on the shock. Yeah. Um, but, and, and we actually did that. Our loop always started out with a paved road mm-hmm. and something that I noticed with that bike is that if you put it into hustle mode, which is the 115 mil version, mm-hmm. if you put that in there, uh, it really still behaved very well. Yes. Uh, but if you wanted it to feel like a hardtail, all you had to do was just flip the lever on the shock. Yes. And once again, if you're on a road, I mean, in, Probably if you're getting this bike, it's not like you're on an XC course. It's like you're on a road for a bit and you need to jam or something. Yeah. You probably have time to do that. Yeah. So, um, but if you're just making changes on the trail, it's pretty easy with that hustle and flow remote. Exactly. And that's, you know, the one thing I will say is that the hustle and flow mode, you and I both felt that the trigger didn't have um, a huge variance in how the two felt. That difference is bigger on the Jekyll. So Which there is a pronounced difference when you're talking 165 to 130 travel, yeah. that bigger volume, just that bigger, you know, rear end in general, there is a bigger difference on the Jekyll, but the trigger itself. Yes. They, it seems like the hustle and flow is a very subtle difference. Yeah. Now in Sedona, Arizona, where we rode these bikes in the Southwest that has uh, the typical Southwest terrain. And what I mean by that for anybody that hasn't ridden in that area, you have ledges that, that jut out in the middle of the trail and mm-hmm. it's kind of technical, like almost like trial Z, like you kind of have to like pick a line and either bunny hop really high up something or pick your front end up, then pick your back end up and yeah. be very strategic about how you pick your lines. Yes. Um, and then there, you know, so you have a lot of that, that chunky stuff going up that you have to work your way through. Mm-hmm. And then also of course, going down, you have that too. And I felt like in terms of a terrain match, this bike 
really worked well in that style terrain. Yes, very, very technical, rocky, Southwest style stuff. I felt that that bike was just amazing. And, you know, I think that a big part of that was because of the firmer, or I should say the fact that the bike didn't rest too deep in its travel. Mm -hmm. It sat high and it confidently did so. Yeah. Meaning that if you needed to press into the bike to get some energy to mantle up onto something, you know. You didn't have to do a whole lot of it. Yeah, it seemed it to want to do it. Yeah, it didn't really well. suck it really out easy. from underneath you yes. either. Yeah. You know, like there were a lot of bikes, if you push into it, it kind of was like, oh, okay, I'm going down. I'll just stay down for a bit. Yeah. And we're not talking about simple rebound damping adjustments. We're talking about the, the valving of the shock and then the kinematics of the of the rear end mm -hmm. based on how it's designed. <clears throat> it sits pretty high. And I feel like that's why it did really well. And that ledgy stuff is because you didn't have to worry as much about pedal strikes. You didn't have to worry about that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like that's a good terrain match, yeah. technical stuff. And even going down... Once again, it was really planted in that chunky terrain. Yeah. So it's a, it's a chunky bike to me. Yeah, absolutely. Now, a bad terrain match. And once again, I'm going to say bad terrain match, but what I really mean by this is it's still, this bike would still be totally fine in this type of terrain. It's just not. You could probably find a better option. Of course. Yes. Um, I feel like if you're riding terrain that's very smooth, and non-technical and has maybe the occasional technical spurt or something else like that. This bike would just be boring. It, yeah. That's, it, and, I, and I don't mean yeah. boring in a bad way. It's just, you're mm -hmm. not using the bike to its, its advantages. It's, you know, intended exactly right. purpose. Yeah. And I think that actually amongst the bikes that are kind of like this, I feel like this would be one of the better ones in that situation, just yeah. because like I said, the back end feels so, um, so I guess efficient mm -hmm. and so good there. But, uh, if you're just riding smooth, non-technical stuff, and I know that that seems relative for people, but I'm really talking about like Northern California type of terrain, typical yeah. Northern California type of terrain. Yeah. Um, if you're riding stuff in the Midwest that has some rock in there, but it's really not like chunky, gnarly stuff. Yeah. And it's the rock is occasional. And then it's like smooth trails. Or if you're riding like, uh, you know, even some stuff back East that might not be chunky nonstop, but yeah. it's like smooth and flowy with occasional rocky stuff. I feel like you might be able to find a better choice. Yeah. You can just get away with a lot less in that type of terrain. You don't Great need a 145. Trigger. Great way to say you don't need that big bike. Like we've talked about what it does well, uh, pedals extremely efficiently, mm -hmm. especially in that chunky terrain. And yeah. it just feels so poised, I mm -hmm. guess, you know, never feels like, oh, it's sitting kind of low. I, I need to ratchet my pedals right now. Or yeah. if I push into it, I'm afraid it won't give me any energy back. Um, there was a section on our loop where it had like logs that were basically water bars, right? Mm -hmm. um, but the logs were probably about a foot and a half high, maybe somewhere around there, a foot high. Yeah. Yeah. And going up them, it was toward the uh, kind of a ladder portion of our loop. We were pretty tired a lot often. And it was, in a, it was in a pretty steep climb little section that we had to punch through. And it was like four of them right after another. Yeah, because there was one left-hander and then four more. So yeah. there was five total. And it was a great opportunity to kind of see like what the bike did when you pushed into it. And I feel like that bike did really well. It was very poised in mm -hmm. those situations. That one didn't take a lot of work to, you know, get up over that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, what it didn't do well... And this is something that I was pointing out, and I'm not sure if you felt it quite as much. And this points out something that with these bikes, this is our perception. So, yeah. uh, you know, you may perceive something differently. Mm -hmm. And also it's worth saying that we, we tried to set these bikes up the best we possibly could. Mm -hmm. We knew our seat heights, we brought a shock pump, we brought multi-tools and we changed things as we yeah, felt we like it wasn't doing the bike justice or a good fit for yeah, us. We would even change around stack height. Totally. We would, yeah, we would do whatever we needed to do to get the bike to feel how we needed it to feel. So, yep. yeah. And one thing that I had a hard time with on this bike was the front end didn't feel precise to me. Like, um, I didn't feel like I would know exactly where the front end would be or exactly how it would behave at mm -hmm. all times. Okay. 
I had to be very conscious of the front end. Like I was thinking about it a lot. I had to be. And if I wasn't, I felt like it would wander a bit. Now, do you mean when you say wander, are you talking that the front end just wasn't planted? Or do you mean it was an imbalance compared to how precise and exact the rear end was? Yeah, the latter. Okay. And that's the interesting thing. It could be a great front end or a great back end, but if they don't necessarily match up, it can be a different experience where you kind of think, oh, well, the front end doesn't feel planted. It might actually be just as planted as another bike that felt really planted, but, but because the imbalance. rear end was so freaking good on this bike, yeah. um, I felt like the front end, it was just tougher to trust for me than other bikes. Okay. Like, and I had to really put a lot of thought into it. Um, it has a 66 degree head tube angle, which is more slack, of course, than the bike that I ride mm -hmm. an XC bike, Yeah, but I really wasn't comparing it to that. So I want to make that clear. Yeah. I don't think that it was necessarily the slack head tube angle. Like you said, I think it was just the fact that the, the rear end felt so like kind of sitting high and strong and like poised and confident. Yeah. And then that the front end didn't really feel that. I feel like maybe this would be a good option to start a good scenario to look into an MRP ramp control, Vorsprung Luftkappa or, or spacers token, something like that. I would, I would feel like if I had this bike, I would start messing with the fork to mm -hmm. try to get it to feel like I would want. No. Whereas some bikes just kind of come in like, you oh, know, that's a good match. Yeah. But in this one, I still think you could get it to feel planted and everything else or I could, yeah. but I would just have to do some work. Now, what's funny is the first thing that I thought of in the front end of this bike is that I would put a 36 with the, the four-way adjustable high-speed, low-speed mm. compression and rebound damping fork in it. Yep. Because I felt that the support in the rear end was yeah. not matched mm -hmm. and the stiffness of the rear end was not matched in the front. Yeah. That 34 fork, I feel if you're going to ride that bike aggressively at its limits, I think that it's a little undergunned with a 34. Yeah. Yeah. I think a 150 36 is, um, would be amazing on that bike. Yeah. And to be clear, I think that you could make a 34 work Yes, and, uh, you might just have to adjust things or we might just be crazy and that could be an option too. That, yeah. Um, but I think that it's, uh, it, it was just one thing that we noticed that that bike didn't do, uh, I should say the front end didn't behave as, as wonderfully as the back end. Cause that back end was freaking good on that bike. Yeah. It's really cool. Um, anything else on that one before we go into the diamondback? No, I think we got it covered. Okay. So I rode the diamondback. Yes. This was um, an interesting one because this was nowhere on any of our lists, by the way. Yeah. Um, however, we do know that the folks from Diamondback listened to the podcast. Yes. Um, they actually reached out to us and asked us to come test it. Yeah. And I honestly kind of went, you know what? It isn't high on the relit on the list as far as a requested bike, but they had, they like had the bikes genuinely ready for us. He even said like, I know you're an XC guy. So I slammed the stack height as low as we could. Like yeah. I was like, wow, that's pretty good. So, yeah. um, so we, we actually, we jumped on it or mm -hmm. I jumped on it. Uh, I was blown away by this bike. Mm -hmm. I did not, I honestly, I, I have to be honest. I did not expect it to be good. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Diamondback isn't known it's in its past. It, you know, it doesn't have a sterling reputation, right? Lately. Uh, lately. Yeah. I mean, you go way back and it's awesome, yeah. but, um, uh, this bike was good mm -hmm. and it was the type of good that I prefer. And once again, something I want to make clear, my preferences aside, I'm going to be object objective on this, but I will declare that this one definitely is a bike that, that I prefer the more playful side of things. Yes. And this bike, holy cow, is playful. Um, the numbers, do you want to run through the numbers really quick on yeah, it? Yeah. So this bike's a one, it comes with a 150 fork, it's yep. 130 mils of travel in the rear. Yep. Um, 66 degree head tube angle. So fairly slack for a trail bike. Yep. Um, especially considering this bike is a 29er. Yep. So add that into that 66 degree head tube angle and that's, you know, that's 
interesting. Yeah. It's a pretty short chainstay length at 425 millimeters. Yeah. You know, your, your average is going to be 425 to 430 typically. Mm -hmm. Um, so this is still on the short side. Yep. Um, so yeah, I mean, those are your numbers. Yeah. As soon as I started pedaling on this thing on the road, I was like, wow, this thing is like active and like peppy. Like I pictured like, a um, I pictured somebody like chewing bubble gum very excitedly. Okay. <laughs> like, like, it's just like, like the bike was like alive underneath me and it was very excited and okay. very fun. Uh, didn't feel vague at all. Um, there are certain bikes that are, that are very active in the rear end. In other words, things, a lot of stuff is going on, yeah. but it doesn't feel precise. I would classify like a giant as a bike. So a maestro wing. Yep. Um, but this bike is very active, but it feels very precise. Like you have a very clear indication of everything that's going on between you and the trail. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, very, and I feel like this bike, you know, with like the, the thing that I noticed first of all, is when I would push into it, it gave me everything back. Mm -hmm. So once again, that technical ledgy terrain, if I push down on the bike, it didn't just soak it up. Mm -hmm. Like it gave it back to me. And that's, that's not just rebound damping. Once again, that's the characteristics of the bike itself. Um, and then I, I don't know if, did you notice this at all too? Like I was trying to find little lines everywhere. Yes. To, <laughs> and I, I don't remember what bike I was riding at that time, but I remember being like, oh, the bike I'm riding doesn't do this as well. So this is going to be a little bit more work for me. <laughs> I'm like an annoying little kid in front of you, just hopping around. Seriously. Right? And I'm trying uh, to follow you, of course. Yeah. yeah. It's just so fun. Um, that bike was like poppy and playful. Um, and, and I feel like if you're riding this bike, a good terrain match is smooth and tight terrain. Yes. Cause even though it had that 66 degree head tube angle, it felt like it turned quickly and 29 inch wheels. It still felt like it turned quickly. Yeah. Didn't have a laggy feeling to it at all. Did not have that 29 or downside to it. Mm -hmm. Felt like it carried momentum well. Um, so it didn't, you know, have no 29, uh, you know, benefits at all either. It had yeah. those two. Um, but I felt like. So this bike is great in the smooth, tight. We had a section where it was kind of like rolling tight in the trees. In the tree, yeah, in the forested area. Pretty yeah. much zero rock there. Yes. You know, it was just like- A um, couple roots here and there, but mm -hmm. not much. It was a lot more smooth than anything. Yeah. And I felt like it behaved very well there. Better than I expected it to for being a 150 mil bike. Mm -hmm. In fact, I didn't even know the stats on it beforehand. And actually that was kind of consistent with almost every bike we rode. We really didn't know the stats beforehand, which I feel like was really helpful. Yeah. Because you didn't build up- a an idea of what the bike should be. Oh, this head tube you know? angles are going to make the bike feel this way, whatever. We yep. just literally got on the bikes and went. Yep. And in fact, there was one situation uh, when I rode the, uh, another bike that we'll talk about soon, um, or a guy started telling me the stats and I said, please hold, just tell me after. Yeah. Like, I just want to ride the bike. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so this was way more, I was shocked to see that it had 150 in the 60, uh, 150 mil of travel on the 66 degree head tube angle yeah. because it was so good on that. So if you're riding the, the terrain, we said the that the trigger would not be the best choice for perhaps. Mm -hmm. I feel like this bike would be a great choice for yeah. um, really good. Mm -hmm. Um, especially if it's like bike parky, like small bike parky stuff, okay. like not something super gnarly. So That'd like the question I would have for you then on this bike, if you, you know, this is getting into the Nevada, Northern California folks specifically, but okay. one of the famous trails that at North star is live wire. Okay. It's a very fast high banking berms, but it gets really brake bumped out. Yeah. This is a fast flowy trail, but it has a bunch of brake bumps. Do you feel like this bike would handle a situation where you're doing high speed with lots of berms where you're playful and active on the bike with doubles and tabletops and step downs, but then it also has a bunch of brake bumps. So you need some high speed compression damping yeah, so dialed in. That's a great question. Yeah. Really good question. And I actually think that's where this bike would start to fall short. Okay. So 
if you're dealing with terrain that is either really chunky Mm -hmm. uh, or as in like a lot of like loose, big rocks, like gnarly rock gardens, or if you're dealing with a bunch of chunder or a bunch of like, if you're riding back East and it's just constant rock that you're dealing with, or you're riding a trail that, you know, it's a smooth, poppy, flowy, fun trail until people ride it. And then it gets gnarly breaking bumps. I don't feel like this bike would be the best choice there. Okay. And the reason for that is it's so poppy, so playful, so alive that it, it kind of gets outpaced quickly if you get into really gnarly stuff. Okay. Like consecutive gnarly hits. We had a waterfall section. Yeah. And I felt like in that spot, I was like, ooh, bit of a buck and bronco here. Like I was excited because after that, then I could go and do have some more playful fun stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. But when it got really gnarly like that, I felt like that's where it kind of, it, it, it really, it started to feel, it certainly, I don't say, I wouldn't say it's composed in those situations, certainly not compared to the to the trigger. Okay. So gotcha. So yeah, that's a, that was a really good point to bring up. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, one thing, like, I think that this bike though, in terms of, uh, the diamond back stigma that, that, it, that it has, and I feel like it's something actually, this is really interesting with both bikes. People definitely have opinions on Cannondale because they're bold yes. and they do things their way. Yes. And then people definitely have opinions on Diamondback. But I feel like in this case, you can probably erase both of those opinions because this Diamondback is awesome. Yeah. It is a super good bike. And this trigger is not weird. It isn't quirky. It doesn't do anything else like that. In fact, if anything, that bike was extremely confidence inspiring. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I would say. The only thing I don't like about the trigger is they got rid of the lefty on the the super max is yeah, gone. It's very go. sad. Which is probably appealing to a lot of folks. It is because now you're on a standard fork. So it's a little bit easier, you know, to swallow the Cannondale engineering, you know, yep. the way that they do things differently. Yeah. People won't, people will now make less jokes about losing half your fork on the trails. Exactly. So, but in the cool thing about both <laughs> yeah. of these bikes, the trigger two six $6,000 MSRP. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Well, for a I mean, carbon bike with X01 Eagle. That's expensive. expensive it's an expensive But that's bike. still a cheap bike for what it is. Yeah. And then on top of that, you rode the SLX equipped um, Diamondback. Yeah. And that thing retailed for three grand. Three grand. For a full carbon frame. Yeah. It's a, it is awesome. Yeah. It's so a great bike. Those two bikes are, are great picks, um, opposing picks. So hopefully you can understand on the terrain you ride. And the type of bike that you prefer, the type of feeling that you prefer underneath you, uh, which bike you like. Poppy Playful, something like really fun, and you're riding a lot of smooth trail um, with maybe the occasional chunk or something like that. Diamondback could be a good choice. Or you can go with really technical, gnarly terrain where you need a miniature monster truck. And you got a trigger. And that thing is just confidence inspiring no matter what you threw at it. Yep. Like I didn't even feel going back to the little water, you know, the little, the rock drop that I did or whatever you want to call that six foot hole, you know, I I never even felt like I was, you know, going to go over the bars, even on a 34 fork. I just felt like it went down it. I took the wrong line. I was actually supposed to go to the side and I went right down the middle. (laughs) (laughs) Tiny monster truck is a good way to describe it. Yeah. So cool. Well, with that, Steven, uh, that's it for this review of those two bikes. If you have questions about these bikes, let us know. You can send in an email to just an MTB podcast, go to mtbpodcast.com and you can send us a note right there. Perfect. And for all things, bike parts, bike apparel, whatever else you need, all the gear, go to worldwidecyclery.com. Thanks everybody. Have a nice day. Hey guys, Jonathan here. Just wanted to thank you again for listening and let you know that if you like the song that you're hearing now and the one that you heard in the intro, it comes from Wave Riders Entertainment, my good friend Tommy Walter. Check it out if you're looking for more beats like this or some awesome tracks to listen to. 
We'll talk to you next week.